Owning a home is still the American dream, but it comes with plenty of emotional and financial challenges. Join real estate broker Ron Evans each week as he shares the latest industry and local real estate market news through interviews with other agents and industry professionals. If you're confused about today's real estate market or just want to understand the home buying and selling process, this show is for you. Here's your host, Ron Evans. Hey, everybody. It's Ron Evans um, with the Real Estate 101 podcast. And I'm here on this fine Monday morning, the first day of November. We have survived Halloween. We are now solidly allowed to get ready for the holiday season. If you're like me, you're probably looking forward to it. We need a good, strong, positive end to 2021. And I think if we can have a good, robust holiday season, that'll do the trick. So with that, I welcome you. And I would just like to say, as we begin, as always, I would love to hear some comments and feedback on whatever medium or platform you are listening to or watching this podcast episode. You can also email me direct at realestate101 at ronevansrealty.com. You can call or text me too. The number is 949-929-2270. So let's get started. This is our Market Matters Monday. And if you've listened to or watched the previous Market Matters episodes, you'll know that uh, the California Association of Realtors, or CAR, uh, once a week sends out their Market Matters. And it has a summary and links to some important um, newsworthy articles. Things that are pretty um, relevant to today's real estate market. Sometimes it's just California focused, and I will let you know when it is, but it's not always California focused. I think there's good things to, to glean from these sources, um, possibly nationwide. So let's get started, Will, shall we? The first article that we're going to talk about and the subject we're going to talk about is titled Single Women Concerned About the Ability to Buy a Home. And the source for this article is Fannie Mae. While single women have been a force in the housing market over recent years, the pandemic disrupted their work situation and may have paused plans for many single women who were aspiring to become new homeowners. Nearly 60% of single female renters recently surveyed said they feel homeownership is out of reach indefinitely, according to a survey conducted by Freddie Mac. The women said they don't have enough for a down payment and are concerned they won't earn enough to cover a mortgage. Down payment assistance, however, could help them buy. So let's unpack that a little bit. If you go into a deep dive on this 
article. It's actually really nice and it actually was written in September. So it's very current. Um, and it's a full slide deck presentation and I will have the links to this in the show notes to this article and all the other articles, but it's basically, it's a PDF. This one opens up into, um, and it goes into some deep analysis um, with this survey. So on the surface, what do you think? Um, I would like to hear from some single women who have both been able to purchase a home in the last few years as head of household and those that have been, that are maybe in struggling in this same situation here where you were trying, but now you don't think it's going to be attainable. I would love to hear some feedback as to your successes and your questions and um, maybe lack of optimism going forward. In this article, there are three key takeaways and I'll just briefly kind of go over them. Number one, about two in five single female head of households are renters. So 40% are renters. Black and Hispanic single female head of households face more challenges than white, particularly if they are renting. These women are more likely to be cost burdened as compared to owners, about one in five renters allocates more than 50% of her income toward rent. Younger generations are more racially and ethnically diverse than baby boomers, and they are more likely to have dependent children to support and experience discrimination. Key takeaway number two, events over the past two years have disrupted wealth building among single female head of household. Many women had their work situation disrupted during the pandemic. This goes back to what we talked about already. Among those that dropped out of the workforce, 75% have not yet returned. Let me repeat that. Among those that dropped out of the workforce, 75% have not yet returned. And this is of September, 2021. So it's not an old statistic. Black and Hispanic women more frequently struggle to provide for their household and fear they will not recover financially in the next year, if ever. Gen X and younger also struggle financially and feel stressed about the future. Key takeaway number three, given all challenges, many see home ownership is out of reach and the past two years may impact their long-term ability to achieve that dream. Among women currently renting, about three in 10, so 30%, do not believe they will ever be able to afford to buy a home. They lack confidence in their knowledge about the home buying process and see a down payment and closing costs as their most significant obstacle to home ownership. To me, that says we are not doing enough to educate these potential buyers of all of their options 
A, we're not doing a good enough job educating and B, we are not doing a good enough job reinforcing the benefits and putting the programs together in a way that makes it easy, that makes it attainable. And makes it likely to have a positive experience. That's what that says to me. Maybe I'm off, but that's that's what I see. Out of all those things, though, I think the thing that really hits me hardest is that out of all the single female head of households that dropped out of the workforce during the pandemic in the last two years, 75% as of this printing in September have not yet returned. To me, that's an amazing statistic. Again, I would love some comments and some feedback on this because I would love to maybe even do a separate episode on this sort of topic um, to do a real good deep dive. So please let me know. If you fall into this category, let me know. I would like to potentially interview you. Okay, our next article is sourced from CNN and it is the 30-year mortgage may not be the best choice when you're buying or refinancing. If you're thinking of buying a home or refinancing one, a big question will be whether to get a 30-year mortgage or opt for a shorter term loan. Most people get a 30-year fixed rate mortgage, which offers lower monthly payments. But there are some instances when it might make sense to consider a 15-year or 20-year mortgage. Such loans will require you to make higher monthly payments, but they come with lower interest rates, and they let you build up equity in your home much faster. What things should you consider when deciding? Now, I could say... From my own experience, this is nothing new. Um, at least it hasn't been to me in my life. Um, even back when I bought my first home in 1998, I was given options and educated on a 15-year versus a 30-year loan and the, and the benefits. Um, for me at that time, a 30-year loan was ended up being my best option, mainly because I was single income and I wanted to be able to maximize my buying power, which meant I needed a little bit of a lower monthly payment. But at the back of my mind, I was always at the point of within the first five years, I want to refinance into a 15-year loan when I'm capable um, so that I can pay off my house faster and save on interest. Because if you do the math on it, you will see a tremendous difference um, in savings on interest on top of just, you know, accruing um,
your equity at a higher rate. So have you ever done this? Have you ever gone with a, a 15 year or now a 20 year mortgage versus a 30 year? Have you ever been educated on those options? I know that if you're a Dave Ramsey follower, or at least if you um, have ever listened to any of his things, he talks about this quite a bit. He talks quite a bit about um, trying to take advantage of a 15-year mortgage versus a, a 30-year mortgage um, in the ins and outs of that, because he's all about like no debt, that um, if you can't pay cash for something, you know, you shouldn't be buying it at all. And it, it and also trying to calculate your affordability. So I know that he he preaches and talks highly of if you're going to buy a home, if you can't afford it at a 15 year loan, you shouldn't be buying a home. So, um, but yeah, that's that would be another good one to do a deep dive on. Maybe I can get a a lender on here and we can talk about that as a separate episode. But that's that article. Next one. Co-buying with friends and roommates inches up. And this is from WTOP News. That's a source that I'm not super familiar with, but I am definitely familiar with this uh, tactic that they're talking about here. More Americans are buying homes with a friend or roommate to help manage the rising costs of ownership and significantly increase buying power and saving power. In the second quarter of this year, so that would be April through June of 2021, the share of homes purchased by roommates rose to 3% of all buyers, up from 2% a year earlier. So that's a 50% increase, according to the National Association of Realtors. And the trend has been increasing since the pandemic. Still, purchasing a home with a roommate or friend may require some ground rules to be set and foresight to prevent disagreements later. Anytime I've, or back when I purchased my first home, um, again, it was in 1998 and I was 25 years old and Someone had mentioned this to me back then of, you know, oh, if you have a friend or a girlfriend or someone that you might want to buy with, you know, maybe you do it together and increase your buying power. I was pretty leery of it. I was single. Um, and I looked at it as it's a huge, huge, huge trust commitment. Um, and at that time, even thinking about it, I was thinking about anything legally a legal document that you might want to have drawn up between you the two people the two parties outside of um holding title on the house and and the loan um like it says you need to have some ground rules up front um and i would put all those ground rules into something legal that's signed that can be held accountable in a, in a court of law but back when I did this, I had somebody that I was looking to that wanted to be my roommate. And what I did and what you can do, and you can talk to your lender about this, is if you have a lease agreement with somebody, that can be considered income already into your purchase. 
Not every lender will do that. Not every uh, program will allow that, but there are a lot of programs out there that will allow that. And I did this back in 1998. So instead of co-borrowing and co-buying with the person that uh, was going to be my roommate, I just had a, a two-year lease drawn up and was able to use that and effectively have the same type of buying power that I would have if I were co-buying because I did. it wasn't a credit issue um, and it wasn't... Uh, uh, or in, in any any income difference was made up for the fact that I was going to be leasing out part of my house to my roommate and I had a fixed lease in place and the bank accepted that. So I didn't necessarily need his income um, to qualify for a higher purchase. So that might be something you look into um, when ex- looking into either buying with a uh, a roommate or a friend, or even like a relative, like if it's a brother, sister, 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 brother, brother, whatever, all these types of things. If you go into it, make sure you go into it eyes wide open and you have some sort of legal documentation that you can use in a court of law in the unfortunate um, time that something might go down negative. All right, moving right along. Next article comes from Redfin, and it says that bidding wars have hit the lowest level of 2021. Homes are still selling at a quick pace, but the number of bidding wars for individual listings is on the decline this fall. And as mortgage rates rise further, bidding wars are expected to continue to slow down. Only 58.9% of home offers faced competition in September, the lowest level for 2021 so far, according to a market index produced by Redfin based on offers written by its agents. That's down from a peak of 74.3% in April. September also marked the fifth consecutive month of declines in bidding wars. Now, this is going to be more of a national statistic. It's uh, not California-related, so... Uh, market by market, you might see things that are a little bit differently and also take it that this is just their own transactions with their own agents that they are surveying here. Um, And know that, I don't know that Redfin operates with agents, buyer's agents and everything in every single market. With that though, it kind of makes sense. It kind of follows normal real estate patterns. I mean, you've heard me talk here on my last um, market update. We talked about how low the inventory is, and it's just going to go a little bit lower here for the rest of the year. So even though there are still a ton of buyers out there, this is also the time of year um, that we see that the buying demand dries up a little bit. It's still out there, but it dries up a little bit. And so you have a lot of buyers that are just sitting and waiting for the perfect opportunity. They're not out like they would have been in the spring and early summer where they're just like desperate to move and desperate to buy. And they're putting in offers in on whatever home comes up. Like they're just boom, 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 boom. They're going to be a little more selective now because the options just aren't there. So they're not just going to run and jump on it. Um, They're going to take their time. They've already maybe signed another lease because they didn't get what they wanted before school started. And, and, uh, and things. So they're not really, you know, looking to disrupt their family right now. If the opportunity, the right opportunity came up, they might entertain that. So I don't see this as like any type of like a real revealing statistic other than it just follows the normal trends of of real estate to where 
after the spring and summer selling months, we slow down. And not only are we still slowing down with the amount of inventory, but the demand is going to slow down too. Um, so lower demand is just going to make it to where fewer homes are going to need um, bidding wars. What do you think? Are you seeing this in your market? Does this hold water? I'm always curious to find out what other people are noticing in you know, Texas or Massachusetts or New York or Minnesota. Um, I'd like to be able to compare and talk to other agents uh, from other parts of the country. Let's connect. Okay, next article from Fortune Magazine. So this is gonna be another um, national publication. Lumber prices are on steep rise again. High lumber prices are back and the prices can have an effect on the cost of a new home as well as on decks and remodels. Lumber prices have been falling off, falling this summer, but that appears to have been short-lived. In August, lumber prices had bottomed out, but framing lumber is now up 40% since then. Lumber prices still remain below the peak reached in May of about 1515. That's $1,515 per 1,000 feet. On Tuesday, Lumber futures were trading for about $735.70 per 1,000 feet, more than double the pre-pandemic five-year average of around $356. Housing analysts warn that lumber prices aren't finished climbing. Now, this is a very current article. This is from October 21st, so this is just a week old. What do we think is causing it? I mean, obviously it's a supply and demand, but is it more due to a lower supply like we were having during the pandemic where supply was tough because things couldn't get done with supply chain? Or is it because now um, now that we're starting to come out of the pandemic that maybe de demand is just outpacing what a normal supply would be. In this article, they talk about it being more of a demand issue, but I would like to know what other people might be seeing if any of you are actually experiencing this. Um, but they're talking about how Through 2022, the demand for lumber will continue to increase. Um, but it, that it's not necessarily a supply chain issue. So I think that's interesting. And I wonder if part of that might be that new construction um, is trying to amp up their production, A, to recover from the pandemic, and B, to help ease the uh, lack of inventory supply that we have in homes. Maybe that's kind of a mandate that uh, developers are taking upon themselves is, hey, let's get out there and build some new homes because we have people that need to buy and there's just no homes to buy. So maybe that, maybe they are themselves kind of increasing the demand. It'd be curious to see what happens here going into spring um, if things 
go astronomically high again come springtime like they were this last year. Okay, this next one is our last one. And this is a mortgage, another mortgage article. It's from CNBC titled Mortgage Rates Rise to an Eight-Month High. Mortgage rates rose yet again last week to the highest level in eight months, according to the Mortgage Bankers Association. As a result, mortgage applications to purchase a home decreased 4% for the week, but were 9% lower than the same week one year ago. The average contract interest rate for a 30-year fixed rate mortgage with conforming loan balances increased to 3.30% from 3.23%, with points decreasing from 0.34 to 0.35, including the origination fee for loans with a 20% down payment. That was 30 basis points lower one year ago. This article is from October 27th. So again, this is a very, very, very recent article. It also goes on to talk about refinance demand fell 2% week over week, but that's more of a seasonal adjustment. Volume was 26% lower than the same week one year ago. That I believe anything, anything that we're comparing right now in 2021, this time of year, uh, September, October, November timeframe, you have to take with a grain of salt when you're comparing it year over year from 2020, because again, we had such a delayed market in 2020 and it, we didn't just have a delayed market in buying. We had a delayed market in refis because nobody knew what was going on during the lockdown. And would it be smart to refinance? Uh, banks got rid of a lot of programs that they're now just starting to bring back. A lot of things went into that. So we had such a delayed market we didn't have our spring and typical summer market. Everything hit the second part of summer and into the fall and winter. It was a lot higher in 2020. So it's really hard to compare. So that 26% drop in volume from uh, the same week a year ago, I take that with a grain of salt personally because of the COVID um, effect that we had in 2020. You've, and if you've listened to any of my previous episodes, we've talked about it on the regular market updates, um, which is why... Uh, the numbers that we get and that we use here right now pretty much don't use 2020 numbers a lot. We go back and do a three-year average from 2017 to 2019 and compare that to current year because that's going to be a more reliable statistic. So do we think that the rates are gonna keep going up? Or is what we're going through right now uh, a blip and we're gonna come back down or we're gonna adjust down? Um, I have no clue. I, ha I, I have no clue. I have no crystal ball to be able to let you know what's gonna happen and with mortgage rates and the mortgage industry at all. But I would like to hear from some people that do. So let's talk about it. Okay, that's going to wrap it up. So six articles, six subjects, almost completely different from each other. 
Um, and everything can be done on a national level. You can look at it here. Nothing's local, just to California. Again, I thank you for joining and listening and or watching. I will see you again next Monday for another Market Matters Monday. In the meantime, have a great week. And again, you can contact me at Ron, um, excuse me, real estate 101 at ronevansrealty.com or 949-929-2270. Take care, everybody. Thank you. Folks, I appreciate your continued support. If you haven't already done so, please don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Leave your comments and questions below and I'll get back to you when I can. Have a great day. See you soon.